Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. that we heard is preferred by most soccer moms on the way to practice. It's in soccer, we trust, and I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside my former U.S. Men's National Team teammates Charlie Davies and Heath Pierce. And we are excited to not only discuss who should be in our front three on the upcoming roster for these June friendlies and Nations League games, but we're going to dive into our best jersey swaps of all time, which should be fun, and give our thoughts on the new leaked U.S. Men's National Team jersey as well. We have a great show lined up for you. Charlie, I'm coming to you first, though. How are you doing, my friend? Great to see you. Great to see you as always. I'm I'm amped for this show. I'm amped for every show. Uh, <laughs> this is like this is like my new fam. Every day, uh, every Monday, Thursday, Friday, I'm like, let's go. I'm hyped for these. We've had incredible guests, and I think today with the jersey talk, uh, the front three talk, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm really pumped. And and Heath, I, it looks like Charlie's already got the flex going. He's wearing a Sweden. Zlatan Ibrahimovic jersey, so I assume he swapped with him, and I don't know if I can touch that, but uh, <laughs> Charlie's already flexing on us. That's great. Yeah, yeah, and and by the way, you know, when we, Charlie had obviously was complimentary of of the guests we've had on, and I just haven't seen Charlie deliver on on a guest yet, so I was just wondering who he's got <laughs> uh, down the pipeline. You know, we do. We have, is my guest is lined up next week. Next week, we got a special guest. Do hey, I, I will. I will say this. I, I. You know, uh, Tony Cruz and his brother, Felix Cruz, who I played with in, in Germany, he was a young, young kind of up and coming oh, player. Have a podcast you drop, together. You drop something. Yeah. Watch your toes. These names are falling really heavy. They're, oh, gosh. And, and I was like, hey, man. And I know that they're pod, they have a podcast together. I know their podcast is in German. I was like, hey, we should do like cross promotion. And then I started to think like, who are we cross promoting to? But either way. I, I'm going for it, guys. Just so you know, I'm trying to get. I'm trying to get. Uh, uh, you know, a big. Go, game. But I'm doing good. It's Friday. Game. It's Friday, and I'm happy. It's good to see you guys again. I love these conversations. I love the community that we're building here. And I've always, you know, Jimmy, you and I talked about this for years now. Uh, of just, you know, this thing needs to exist, and I'm glad that we're we're at least attempting to to build that thing that that uh, we think uh, was missing in the marketplace. That's right. Very well said. All right, let's before we get into our roster build of the front three, though. There is some reporting being done by our friend Stephen Goff of the Washington Post, and he wrote just yesterday, a few weeks from naming the June roster, Burhalter said he plans to invite two players who weren't part of the qualifying effort, forward Haji Wright and center back Cameron Carter-Vickers. Both are only 24, which is crazy. I feel like we've been talking about Cameron Carter-Vickers for years and years and years now. Both have been away from the U.S. squad since 2019. And as we as we know, they're both enjoying fine seasons in Europe. Now, Berhalter also said in this article, Stephen Goff, he's looking to extend a first-time invitation to a young dual national who is yet to play at the senior level. He declined to identify the player or the position. But Charlie Davies, I'm coming to you first. What do you think about Haji Wright and Cameron Carter-Vickers coming in? And what's your guess on this young dual national who's never represented us before? And do you think we'll get this player to get in there with us? Can we can we lure another dual national to join us? Uh, what I will say is I like the call-ups of Cameron Carter-Vickers and Haji Wright because for U.S. men's national team, if you're doing it with your club in Europe, you deserve a call-up. Then that doesn't mean you deserve to be starting and playing, but you deserve a call-up. And that's how it's always been. Players who are performing and who are consistent deserve a call-up. And then it's up to you to show in these training sessions that you deserve some time. And if if you are performing in training, then you typically get rewarded with minutes. So I like that. And it and it it makes 
I think other U.S. men's national team players or players who who could play for the U.S. men's national team, it it kind of gives you hope that if you are doing it, you do get the call up and it's justified. So therefore, you have credibility. And for players who are out there who are who who maybe have the hope of playing with the U.S. men's national team, you know, if you do deliver, you do get the opportunity. Okay, and and so you're cool with Haji, right? Obviously, scoring goals in Turkey. Yes. Cameron Carter-Vickers doing the business for Celtic this year. Who's your guest though on the dual national? I mean, we we got Malik Tillman potentially from Bayern Munich. Mm -hmm. We have uh, Florian Balogun that is on loan from Arsenal to Middlesbrough. Either I mean, give me either. I prefer Balogun because he's he's had you know the Arsenal experience in the academy, similar to to our guy um, Yunus Musa. So when I'm thinking about players coming up through the right system technically and tactically Florian Balogun for me would probably be, and I think he's a little bit more mature would probably be a, a great addition to the U S men's national team in terms of what he can provide his experience and then getting an opportunity. I mean, that's what Yunus Musa took. I'm, I'm going with an opportunity. I think for Florian Balogun, same thing, a little difficult to break into the England, England national team for, for the U S at the striker position, it's it's really uncertain. And for him to get an opportunity to say, you know what, I'm going to take this chance with the 2026 World Cup on the horizon. This is probably going to be best for me and my development. And also, I get to connect with with my roots. Okay, and then and then Heath, uh, Haji Wright, I just want to say that he scored seven goals in his last seven games for Antalya Spor. Antalya Spor. Antalya Spor. So close to my first try. Antalya Spor. <laughs> and, and he did it. His last game was against the, the team that ended up winning the league, Trabzonspor, which was really impressive for him to, to obviously against the top competition in the Super League in Turkey. And then Cameron Carter-Vickers, you know, well on his way to winning the Scottish Premiership with Celtic this particular season. Also a team that Virgil van Dijk got his, you know, really big start was with Celtic as well. So at 24, even though it felt like Cameron Carter-Vickers and Burhalter said this before, that he's a known quantity, he knows what he can do. To Charlie's point, Heath, sometimes players evolve. Sometimes players start to find their form. And especially as a center back, I think mm -hmm. it's important as these guys mature and they see more plays and get more experience that it's worth bringing them back in just to say, okay, we're going to give you another mm -hmm. crack at this and we'll see how you do. Yeah, I mean, starting with with Haji Wright, he's an interesting one just because of the fact that he he had a very, you know, he was, I don't know if you remember this, it was like, I don't know, six six years ago, but he signed with the New York Cosmos uh, as his first pro contract. And it was a little bit, it was Cosmos B and then Cosmos, and it was a little bit of a weird one because he was a young talent, I believe he was a, a youth international, and you were like, ah, oh, how do we do? And, and, and part of this was sort of this plan of NASL being able to get these players through and then out mm -hmm. of the league quicker without having these, you know, year in and year out options and, and be a player pathway. It's actually worked out well for him. He did well at Sunder Yuska and then now at Antalya Sport. I like the idea of bringing him in because he's proven himself now. And I, I think he was, I believe he was the one that was kind of caught up with this controversy of just sort of left the club without the uh, agreement in place and whatever. But now it seems like he's proven himself, which is, which is great. The Turkish League is, is a fun league to watch and it's good to see him doing well. Okay, look, and then, yeah, give me, go ahead, go ahead, keep going, sorry. When I look at Cameron Carter-Vickers, this one's interesting to me because I feel like under what Greg truly wants, Cameron Carter-Vickers doesn't make sense because he doesn't have the feet for, for our center backs. But I think we've accepted and we've defaulted back to a more traditional center back pairing that's athletic, that's big, that can cover ground. And the way in which they build up or build out, I think, is secondary. And I think that's naturally the way that we've fallen back because we haven't been able to figure that out, right? We obviously don't have uh, John Anthony Brooks, uh, who's our best on the ball. I don't think anybody else besides that is really great at playing out of, uh, playing out of back, but they can do it well enough. Cameron Carter-Vickers really struggles with the ball at his feet. I don't want to say really struggles, but when I say in comparison to the other, other center back options, it'll be interesting to see now how much of that has gotten better considering he's not playing in necessarily a possession-based league, but he is in a league where they are going to control more of the possession on the team, considering they are the bigger team in all the matches outside of when they play against Rangers. So that's the other one that I like. The, the last thing I'll say in, in, in sort of the intro of these players is Belogan is, is interesting to me because he's getting a, a run of form now on loan, but he is 20 years old. And 20 years old is no longer, and this is the problem when you come through some of these bigger mm -hmm. academies and where you go to get first team minutes at 20 now, that's what we were all in our era was like the ideal age of getting minutes. If you look at our national team now, most of these guys are getting minutes at 17, 18, 19. And that's a big gap of development that I think is missing for blowing. And of course, he's getting minutes in the reserves and things like that, that I want to see him start to establish himself as a player that's playing consistently at 20 years old, 
But again, Yunus Musa was one that was 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 playing young. He came in and you're like, wow, what a player. Hopefully, if it's Bologan uh, or Bologan, I'm not sure how to pronounce it correctly, comes in. I would love to see him be able to pro- prove like, hey, if he can get his club situation right, look at the potential this guy has in the national team. Okay, so when we see Cameron Carter-Vickers and Haji Wright coming in, Charlie, I'll come back to you on this. Do you think that's the end of John Brooks, who actually looked pretty good against Wolfsburg and scored this past weekend, and a Josh Sargent, who unfortunately not only got relegated with Norwich, but also got hurt? I mean, are we starting to get to that time now where these guys, no matter what they say publicly, it's it's done and dusted, even though the writing was on the wall, but now it feels like if we're starting to look at other options that aren't these guys, that they're pretty much done. And we, unless unless they go, I guess, on some incredible hot streak, it's harder for a center back, I think, as opposed to Josh Sargent could maybe get go into the championship with Norwich next year and score 10 and 10 games. And you're like, all right, we got to bring them. But, but, you know, do you feel like it's done for those guys and some others? I don't think it's done. But I, I would say there are a number of center backs ahead of him in the pecking order. Mm-hmm. And, and you look at the U.S. men's national team in the striker position too, I feel like those positions in particular, people can move up and down rather quickly. And, and I think with John, in John Brooks's case, he just has to continue to keep playing and be, be um, you know get consistent minutes and be successful. His next move is going to be crucial. If he gets in a good spot, let's say it's he comes to MLS and he's lights out, he's he's going to get called back in because in the, in in MLS there's a lot of athletic strikers, there's a lot of space in behind, and if he can, you know, neutralize a lot of these attackers, he's going to get a he's going to get another chance. But if he goes to another place in Europe and isn't playing well or it's kind of up and down, he, he's not going to get another chance. Yeah. I don't. I I think he's I think he's out. I think he's out. I think okay. I think. I think Greg has made a decision on him for a number of reasons, whatever those reasons are. And I think it's hard for me to see bringing him back in because I don't think Greg wants him in his plans. And I think he's a distraction. And if you bring him in, we know that John Anthony Brooks is capable of putting together a couple of like lights out performances. And I think that presents a bigger problem than I think that he wants in terms of the media, in terms of everything, in terms of the concentration or distractions within the team. Otherwise, I'm not sure why that wasn't the case throughout qualifying. Yeah, like why yeah. I, I just... I just don't know when the right. I, you know, I could be I'll wrong. Just on that. In, I'll, I'll like jump in. I'll jump in. I want him in. By the way, when I look at him, when I see his experience, think, think, of, think, think of injuries, though. You know, it, all yeah. it takes is a couple injuries, and he's back in the picture. Well, that's, that's the true. thing. I, I think that John Brooks, and you guys can maybe throw another name at me, but he's the only one on the outside looking in now. That I think, if things don't go well for us in the World Cup at the center back position, everybody's going to be like, "Oh, well, why didn't we bring in John Brooks?" Right? And and I can't think of any other player in any other position. No, there is there isn't another player. Right. It's it's him. He's the one. So so that's the risk, obviously, that Greg's got to take. And he's got to build his team and the chemistry of the team. And it's not just on the field performances. It's everything mm-hmm. that's intertwined with that as it as it pertains to building a roster. So so that that's, uh, you know, that's the that's the rub. Right. Um, and and I mean, let me let, let me let me ask both of you guys this. Uh, have you been disappointed that John Anthony Brooks hasn't been called in? Because when I see him spray a 50 no. yard ball when we can't break the lines of pressure, I go, wow, he's our best passer. Break lines in a 30 yard ball crisp into a striker's feet. That's amazing. I, I, I don't then I see the mistakes defensively from a defender. At the yeah. end of the day, I don't care whatsoever now. And when I was playing, if a defender can pass the ball necessarily. I want you to defend. Yeah, right. If you can Same. if if your one v one defending is spot on because that ultimately is how this U.S. men's national team is going to really survive and and succeed is when they do get forward in transition. Your center backs have to not only cover space but be superior in one v one defending. Whether it is stealing the ball or just the delay, I'm going to delay you from making a run in behind me or getting by me one v one. That's what I need. That's what I care about. I don't just like your keeper. Is your keeper great at the feet? No, I don't care if he's great with his feet. I care about shot stopping and keeping the ball from and, from going yeah. back of the net and crosses. Right. And, crossing, yeah, right? yeah. So for me, center owning, back owning the box, yeah, yeah. One v one presence, winning the aerial challenges, timing, keeping the line. That for me is what's important. Not well, so that's much that's passing. the thing is that Walker Zimmerman has decided that this is his line. He is mm-hmm. going to own when we step, when we drop. And yeah. it's really, really important. We've talked about this before, Jimmy, about having one person that owns that line, right? Because I was, you know, I just spent the last five days with with youth soccer of a bunch of kids who don't play together regularly against, against different teams, whether it's the Mexico youth national team, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's against club teams. And you can see the difference between somebody who embraces the ownership of that back line and says, hey, when I say step, you're stepping with me. When I say one step, when I say push, when I say drop, 
You do what I say. And if you're a step off, that's the difference of a goal. That's the difference of being in a tournament and out of a tournament. And I feel like that was, you know, I talked about Jamison Olave in my career as one of the guys who just refused to listen to anything I said. And he'd drop when he wanted to drop, and he'd step when he wanted to step. And 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 even though it was supposed to be my line, you, that's why. What do you, yeah. I don't know. No, <laughs> Jamison Olave made a career out of of of, of literally <laughs> tackling the ball off the goal line because if he was in good positions, he wouldn't have to tackle it off the goal line. But didn't listen to anybody else. You know what, Charlie? No, no, he, he, like, really, he really got under his skin. Wait, wait. I feel like we need to get like Olave on the show. Time. We got to get Olave like on the show now. Time he's brought him we, up. He, he, I, needs, he needs to have a platform every, to defend every, himself. Every every other every other time when I became a center back, it was it was put on me and I embrace that responsibility of owning that back line. When we drop, where are we in d- dangerous positions? Is there pressure on the ball and making sure that I tell my team? Cause if I, if this messes up, it's on me, right? If I'm going to be a leader it's and if you have somebody as a left back, that's that, well, that, I'm, that, I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that. Yeah. I mean, no yeah. center backs ever going to listen to like, no, left you're back. Left back. Stop <laughs> it. You're on the left back. I was so good on the ball back. as a center back though, guys. <laughs> I just gave Charlie would have loved it. You know? No, no. I was going to get geeky a little bit and talk about the line, uh, but you beat me to it. Heath. I think that's really, really important in terms. And I thought we did an excellent job of that in Mexico City against Mexico, where we weren't too deep. We weren't sitting just on top of the box to sit on the top of the box, which is really easy to do if another team's got a lot of possession. Mm-hmm. And we weren't too high. We weren't allowing the big gaps to exist. And obviously, it helps if you have an aggressive goalkeeper or a goalkeeper that's good at coming off their line and, and managing that space. But I thought that Walker and, and Miles and, and the back line in general were very disciplined in terms of when to step, when to drop. And I think that helps us transition. It allows our attacking players not to have to drop too deep. It means that our lines, like our midfield line, doesn't get compressed and get flat with our back line. Like our spacing is good in every single way. And ultimately, I remember Richard Goff, if ever, this is a throwback to show all you boomers out there, but Richard Goff played for Scottish uh, national team, two World Cups for them. And he was my teammate in San Jose when I was a rookie. And I, you know, I pepper him with questions to the point where he's like, can you just stop asking me questions? And, and the one that stood out to me was, in your position, just put out fires before they start. And it took me a, a long time to really understand. I mean, I got it, but but how do you do it? How do you actually bring that to life and execute it at a high level? And a lot of it's communication. A lot of it is owning that, that line, like you say, Heath, and taking that responsibility. And when we have guys in the back that can put people in good spots and those people in front of them actually trust what they have to say, everything becomes like a well-oiled machine. And so I thought that we'd I'd seen glimpses of it. And, and when in one of our hardest games away at Azteca Stadium, I thought our line was spot on for 90 minutes. And I think that was a big reason why we got a result down there. Obviously, we should have won that game. We created the better chances and should have pulled that off. And so I think that's really important. And if, if, if it's center back, whether it's Cameron Carter-Vickers, John Anthony Brooks, whoever else comes in, if they're not doing that, it's going to be a detriment to our team. So I just wanted to, to throw that out there. And I'm glad you guys brought that up. Because before I got geeky, that we're all kind of sharing in this geekiness. All right, everybody. If you love in soccer, we trust, then we love you, especially if you're hitting that like and subscribe button on YouTube. And of course, hitting subscribe and giving us a five-star review, or at least close to it, right? Four stars are above, but five preferred. Yep, do it now. On the podcast now. platform. Do it right now while you're listening. That would mean a lot. Now, it's time for the roster build. We've done defenders and goalkeepers a couple weeks ago. We did midfielders last week. Now it's time to get into our front three this one is going to be pretty tasty now our producers alex and des challenged us to have the starters for these june friendlies friendlies are interesting because that's the time to try things and because we don't have too many friendlies this is a great time to experiment which is why i think greg berhalter is considering bringing in these other players but greg did all also go on to say in his interview that he still wants to stay true to the guys that helped him qualify for the world cup so take that into consideration mm. when we pick our choices. Apparently though, we all pick three different starting lineups. So that should be fun. And Let's Charlie, go. since you're our resident number nine who has scored big goals for the U S men's national team, we'll let you go first because uh, you know, we're just lowly defenders over here. Me and he, mm-hmm. yes, I'm going with my left winger. We all know Christian Pulisic. It's his position. You expect him to play 90 minutes every game in the world cup. In the June friendlies, I'd say, yeah, you're, you're going to play with him the majority of the time and get him the most minutes. Uh, no surprise there. At center forward, I'd like to see Timothy Weah. I, I know Jesus hey, Ferrer. Okay. I, I, knew, I know Jesus Ferrer is balling right now in Major League Soccer. He's playing with a lot of confidence. But I want to see a player who's going to stretch the back lines and, and be more of a, a danger with, in terms of using his pace to open up lanes um, and, and be that – 
that guy who can also he, – he's shown he can ch- hold up the ball and, and check into space, but primarily just getting in behind. And then my right winger, because Gio Reyna's injured, and I'd like to see Gio Reyna also play at the 10, Brent Aronson. Mm. I'm going to go with Brent Aronson as my right winger. He knows exactly how to press. He's been very good in the press, his movement. I still think he's growing and maturing as a player, and mm-hmm. so he's only going to get better. And I think – he has a good understanding of how Christian plays, how Timothy Weah moves. And I think with Shojinho Dust playing on the right and him coming inside, mm-hmm. I do think they're going to ca- cause a, a number of problems for, for the opponents. Okay. I like that. Now, that's not just mine and Heath's turn coming up, but everybody else that wants to hit us up with their front three starting in these June friendlies, hit us up in the comments on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter at ISWTPod at any time if you're listening to this in podcast form. Now, I do want to give a shout out to Brendan Aronson. This is what he's done. This is what he's accomplished in the last 18 months. Everybody ready? Sitting down for this. One MLS supporter shield, okay, Mm -hmm. with the Philadelphia Union, named MLS Best 11. Two Austrian Bundesliga titles, two Austrian Cups, and they made history with RB Salzburg by advancing to the Champions League knockout rounds, which is a very big deal for that club. And actually got farther in the competition than their parent club. Well, I don't know, parent club, but their bigger club, RB Leipzig, even though uh, Leipzig just bottled it, by the way, in the Europa League. So, so that's pretty impressive. Brendan Aronson, I like that shout, and I'll, I'll get into my thoughts here in a second with regard to my lineup. But, Heath, what are you going with? Who's your front three for these June friendlies? Well, here's here's where it gets a little bit, a little bit funny because uh, I had submitted the same player in two positions when we were building this roster. <laughs> of course uh, you did. And uh, sort of just thinking through, you know, it's weird because people think that maybe – uh, at least, and maybe they don't, that that I've just got, or we've got these set lineups and that's all we want to see. But in my head, I'm constantly sort of tinkering and thinking about how do we get, you know, defensively, I think we're pretty sound. But when I think about how do we get a little bit more connected and 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 what we're seeing here is is a little bit backwards uh, on what I would want. I would want Aronson up, up top with Musa, but the reason that it's, it's backwards is because I had originally put Musa into two spots. I like Musa in the midfield because I want to get Musa McKinney-Adams hmm as much as possible. We don't know if McKinney will be available. I said, let's go with De La Torre. But then I started thinking about, okay, if we have De La Torre, who's somebody else we could put in there to try in the midfield? And then, and obviously we've, we've passed our midfield three. And how can I get Musa higher up the field where he plays for Valencia and see if uh, my, my main goal in putting together our, our front three was how do we get our attacking four or five more connected? How do we get them more combination play? How do we bring a different dynamic because it clearly hasn't been working and when it does, we're very good. Again, seven, eight passes, we're in front of goal, creating chances. But when it doesn't, our striker is never involved. Our striker just seems to go long periods where maybe it's a counterattack, it's a layoff, and then again, we're breaking out on the counter, which is a big part of it. But I went with, again, left midfield, Pulisic, Jordan Pifok up top, where I my whole thing is just give him one more full run. Give him a run. Give him 70 minutes. And if he can't do it, then you know he can't do it. And then whether he makes the roster or not, that's a little bit different. But put him in for a full run. Don't judge him on a missed chance because he got 15 minutes. And I think he should be judged for that because, you know, Charlie would have been judged for that opportunity when he wants to take his chance. I do think there's, there's something to that. But give him a full run. Let's see how he, he can contribute to the team. I don't remember the last time he had a full run for the team in, in, in a big game against a good team. I want to see that. So him up top. And then I went with Aronson at right midfield with Musa still in the, still in, in the central three. Because, again, Aronson is another one that when he was at his best, when he was playing well, he was a catalyst for our uh, for our attack and being more direct in combination play and coming into the pockets, allowing hopefully Serginho Dest to be able to, 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 to use the space on, on the width, but be a little bit more withdrawn, which allows him to be more connected to the strikers or connected to potentially whoever that is playing in that 10 spot. So that's sort of my thinking around that is just trying to find a little more fluidity, trying to have somebody that's a little bit more in between the lines that can connect those lines because I just... And maybe I'm just maybe I've just got recency bias or whatever. I just don't remember a lot in qualifying of good combination play where we're taking risks in high and in, in good areas where we're actually integrating two, three, four players into our attack. And it just seems a lot more like Tim Weah down to the down to the end line, cross the ball in. You know, um Robinson but, 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 the left hand, you, cross the ball in. But couldn't you couldn't you say that we want to see more of fine fine-tuning that? Like I Aren't we? And yeah. I'll just I'll just roll right into my my front three here because yeah. I had t- Timo Weah out wide right because isn't there something to be said about continuing to build that relationship with Sergio Dest so that Timo Weah doesn't necessarily occupy his space and they kind of yeah, learn 
especially against the Morocco and Uruguay, who are definitely going to push us in, in ways that maybe we didn't get pushed in qualifying. I feel like with qualifying, we're playing against opponents that are chippy. They're going to battle. They're going to fight, but maybe lack some of that sophistication that we're going to see from some of the players, not all the players, but some of the players we're going to see it on the Uruguayan and, and Moroccan squads. And it's a good opportunity to tinker. I just wonder if we're going to tinker too much. Yeah. It, it wouldn't give us the opportunity to, to make that happen. So I got team away all wide, right? I think kind of, do you think, same- do, you, do you think, but do you think Aronson is, is, is tinkering? Like, no, I don't. Said, I, I don't. he was on your, he was on your or mid qualifying was on your, your sort of CONCACAF uh, team of like whatever power rankings. No, no, no. And I, I think there's there's room for Aronson to to be involved in one of these friendlies. I just was wanted to see if especially if we have Musa, if we're looking at my starting lineup now, you can see it. I had Musa in the middle with De La Torre and Adams because McKinney's still hurt. But you got you, that kind of that it's almost that triangle that we're gonna create out wide right, where you have Desk, you have Musa Central, and you have Wea up high. How do we coexist with those three players who can all kind of do the same things in that same space? Yeah. So, so that is something I want to explore and continue to fine tune because you can try to work it out in practice, but all as we all know, game doing it in game against a good opponent is very difficult. Uh, go ahead, go ahead, Charlie. I, I, I would just add, if you know a player is probably not going to start in the World Cup in that certain position, would you give him a run? And, and the reason I ask that is, is Jesus Ferreira the answer? At, in the World Cup. Do you think Jesus Ferrer is our starting nine come first game of the World Cup? Or do you see... Dude, I don't because, think we know. That's the thing. I mean, well, that, that's that, still a question mark. And that's why I pose this question. Do you see him being a starter, cemented, if he continues to play this way? Or because we're looking at Malik Tillman or or Florian Balogun or, you know... Haji Wright. Timothy Weah, Haji Wright, that it's, I think, better for... I guess in that sort, or Timothy Weah to play with one of those players, knowing that he's not probably going to be the guy. So put put the players in the positions that you think that come World Cup they're going to be playing. No, in. that's a great question. I, I guess even yesterday when we had the chance to speak with Jordan Morris, you know, giving him a chance to right. to have 10, 15 minutes at the. Ninth I don't think spot. he's ready yet, though. But, I don't. But, think, I don't think he's ready yet for that. But but let's say. How much is enough time for you as a coach and coaching staff to mm-hmm. say, ah, that's that's my nine, you know? I mean, do you have to give, there's a good comment there, do you give Jesus Ferreira a, a full 90 minutes so you can kind of see how he deals with the ebbs and flows of a game? No. If, if it's not working out with him for 15 minutes, that's not enough, you know? I mean, you need did more we, of a sample. I, I, don't, I don't really think it's we? one game. I, I don't think it's one game. I do, think do, it's do, a run of games. And right, then right, that's say, the thing. That's my nine. But the problem is they don't, we don't have a run of games. Have a run of, so, oh, so frustrating. Dude. Right? So I think for, for Greg Berhalter, this is the challenge. Let's say you bring in Malik Tillman. That's the, that's the guy who comes in. Do you play him in the first game? Do you play him in the second game? And let's say he does well. You, st- yeah, you yeah, stick with him. Right. That's it. There's no more. Because well, you have to give him time to get, get used it, to get the it. players. I, I think for the players to get called in that are like Haji, right? Like with me, I, it seems like he's going to get called in. I think you give whoever you want to really give an extended look. Let's say Jesus Ferrer. For, you give him 60, 60 minutes. And then that's, you go, Haji, oh, Haji. That's cruel. That is I, cruel. It is. But like Haji, right? You're getting 30. Like you have to give Haji, right? Enough what's of a the goal. Size. Yeah. What's the goal? What's the goal of Haji, right? Coming in to see whether he can, because. Well, well. Well, I think I think we there's two there's two things we need to decide. Mm-hmm. Not only do we have to identify our number nine and who's going to start and actually fit in with the rest of our pieces. That's one one thing. Yeah. But then secondly, we need to find super subs that hey, in a in a specific situation, you know, Haji Wright's pretty good when we're up a goal and holding the ball and drawing fouls. Like we need to know these little subtleties and nuances to his game that I'm sure the coaching staff does. But I don't know if and all of us are sitting there watching the Turkish Super League to under really understand. Uh, you know, what he brings to the table. And even if he's playing a certain way for his club, doesn't mean it's going to translate to the same way he's well, playing for the national team. I think Jordan P. Folk's a perfect uh, case of that. You, they brought him in, and in trainings, probably didn't look as as good as the numbers that he's producing in, um, in Switzerland. Switzerland. So you, you think about what do they offer the team, and how does the team play? Are they playing to service Jordan P. Folk? They weren't playing to service. They weren't playing in a manner that will make him look good and play to his strengths. So in this case, I think the striker, you're not necessarily playing to be the best player for, for this team in terms of like the finishing and everyone's got to play to you. You're trying to make everyone else around you better. And you look at a player like Olivier Giroud with France, right. they weren't playing 
to him, Olivier Giroud was playing to make sure that Mbappe and Griezmann were playing to their best ability because that was the strength of their team. And he allowed them to play at their best. And we could argue we're similar. We want we want to somehow release Christian Pulisic, get him in 1v1 situations or yes. Aaronson or Reyna or Weah on the other side. I mean... There, there's a lot of a lot of uh, well, that's the combination that play that I think is missing, right? Is that well, I think I again, think actually Ricardo Pepe's maybe our best at that, but yeah, exactly. Every time that we found Ricardo right Pepe underneath and he was able to lay the ball back where you're getting an Aronson or you're getting a Wea or you're getting a Gio Reyna, hopefully, or a Christian Pulisic facing the field, driving up the field, that's when we've been our most dangerous on the attack. Granted, we've been good on crossing the ball from wide areas because we've been forced to. But very rarely did we have any sort of in, back, out, sort of that pulsing or probing that 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 we want from these quality players that keeps our center back, center our center forward involved, but also brings our best players into positions where they're best, where it's not Pulisic forty yards further back on the field, or it's not Pulisic down at the corner flag, you know, uh, you know, uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. sort of detached from the rest of the game. Yeah, I think there's a lot to dissect here and, and to get into. Another thing I was thinking is. I my secondary front three was similar to what you had, um, Chuck. Where you had Pulisic, you had Wea at the nine, and Aronson. If we really want to explore it, we have to see it in these upcoming friendlies. I actually had Pulisic, Wea, and Musa, so I kind of had a merge. That was like my third one to look at that I want to see Musa out wide right, and then Aronson in the ten, because I think he's good in that spot. He looks comfortable in that spot, and if we wanted to get one more attacking player kind of in our front three, or at least supporting that front three, at times when we have McKinney, Musa, and Adams, maybe we don't have a proper 10. A guy. Uh, Reyna. Reyna could be a proper Reyna 10. could do it for sure, but he's not available in these ones because of injury. So that, But but yes, in theory, once he's healthy, uh, yeah. Reyna would be a nice fit for that. So we're actually walking into a generation, and we've already talked about this before, where we have a lot of options once everybody's healthy. It's just a matter of what fits best, and, and maybe it's situational based on the opponent and any other second uh, tier yeah. or th third tier things that you want to see uh charlie i'll go to you go ahead well i, I want to address a question from from dan w he said is this team too short um you know basically <laughs> for, for set pieces and i would what, say do we need peter crouch out there what's yeah, the story I, you know i would say look at the 2010 uh champions of of the world cup spain i mean you had a very small team uh pedro and xavi and iniesta um but if you if you mark properly and you and you uh, prevent you know certain set pieces in, in dangerous areas and you're tactically aware, it's not an issue. It's not an issue. So um, you know if I'm looking at other players that I want to see see, I think it's all at the nine position. So after Haji Wright, um, I think you got to give Jordan Pifolk a proper chance from the start mm -hmm. and see what what he can do. Um, Jordan Pifolk is not a super sub. That that's not a player you want coming off the bench. He's not going to change the game in terms of pace and you know he might be dangerous off of crosses if you're just going to load crosses in. But again, it's very predictable. Mm -hmm. So if you're getting in behind defenses and they're running towards their goal, that's a time where he can expose you. But if you have back lines who are sitting set back and and everything's played in front of them, it, it's not going to set up well for any uh, striker who who relies on crosses. So giving Jordan Pifolk a start. From, from the very beginning, I think would be beneficial. You still got to wait for Daryl Deke to get healthy. You still got to wait for Matthew Hoppy to get in a good club situation. Jordan Morris, uh, again, I think he needs about six more months till he gets to peak fitness. And, well, and guess recovers. what? He's got six more months, so it's nice. And then I, <laughs> I, I've seen a lot of comments. Josh Sargent, Josh Sargent, he's got to leave Norwich. And or, gotta, or stay with them in, ch in the championship and blow up like uh, Mitrovic for Fulham or something. It, I don't know. It's, you play in a second division in any league. I don't care. It's it's more of a a, a war. It's a battle. It, people will tell you it's there's a lot of games in a short amount of time, and it's a lot of fighting. And it's really do you get a chance to really develop technically in in the cha championship? So I would like for him to go somewhere else to a first division club, maybe Major League Soccer, maybe it's Denmark, maybe it's um, going back to the Bundesliga, but putting yourself in a position to play every week where you're not just fighting and your, your team's playing long balls and your your team is set up just to try and survive that's yeah, not I, the I, environment you want to be in i guess he had a full season of that so far with norwich and uh from what i understand he's doing pretty good with all the fighting and stuff but hasn't led to necessarily and, not the back striker. Of and, and yeah not really and that too and not really showcasing what he can do when when he has a team that has a little bit more possession to be fair daryl dk did that well in the championship right of just yeah. like 
owning the box, getting into tight spaces, and put himself on the map by being able to scrap out. I mean, that was the that was the target striker that that the U.S. national team had for a, a long time. Somebody occupy the center backs, scrap, fight, draw fouls, get into the box, you yeah. know, fight for everything. Not super tactical. And then Charlie came along, was a different profile than 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 we had ever had at at that striker position. Being able to run the channels, chase games, make the game predictable when you're playing defensively. And 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 again, we've got some of those types of energies, whether it's uh, Ricardo Pepe, whether that's Ferreira, whether that's now uh, a Jordan P. Fuck in a different way, and and so when I think about Sargent, I think about they're going to Norwich are going to go in depending on how they handle this this off season as the top dogs. Now we know it's difficult. You get the parachute payments. You do have more resources than other teams in the championship. You really get one year to go back up. And Not an ideal Timu situation, Puki, man. Put some respect yeah. on Timu Puki's name. But I can see Timu Puki leaving um, as well. Maybe not because of the age that he is. Uh, so maybe maybe he's fixing <laughs> out too. But 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 but, but yeah, I, I just Josh Sargent. I've yet to see it, like any sort of prolific abilities in front of goal. And as a striker in a single striker system, you kind of always go. There's only so long you can go. He's got the intangible. He said the same about Ricardo Pepe. Intangibles, intangibles. He helps the team. He makes them better. It gets his two chances in front of goal. You go. <laughs> Get him off the field. You know, you know what's going to be interesting that. is that our special guest next week, and I'm just going to say it, is former U.S. men's national team striker Eddie Johnson, who might have to uh, fight back on you saying that uh, Chuck had a certain profile that the U.S. men's national team never had before when I think Eddie was doing some similar things. Um, and so he's going to be on next week, and I can't wait to get his insight on who he thinks should be starting for the U.S. men's national team at striker. He's going to have plenty to say. He has been teammates with all of us uh, for, for, for me, for club and country for many years. So I'm excited to see EJ once again and to, to share some platform with him to, to get into it. So we're very excited to have Eddie Johnson on next week. Make sure you are ready for that. That's another good reason to subscribe. We're bringing the guests week in and week out for you. Now, I do want to throw out Jordan P. Falk, five goals in his last four games in the Swiss Super League. He is now leading the Golden Boot Race in Switzerland by four goals, and there's only three games left. Mm. And we don't have too many Americans winning Golden Boots no. around the world. So that is a very big deal. And to Chuck's point in particular, and Heath, who are both supporting PFOC to come in, this is as good a reason as any to, to bring him in. He's in as good a form as you possibly can, so you got to give him another run out. And I don't want his maybe last foray as a national team player to be that one missed opportunity against Mexico. That feels a little bit unfair. My last foray with the national Agreed. team was a red card in my last ever game. I went out with a blaze of glory, everybody. So <laughs> my last MLS game was a red card. So that was cool. There we go. So me yeah. and Heath have that. Uh, that <laughs> now I have one question before we take our first and only break of the podcast and get into our favorite Jersey swaps of all time. Talk about the leak of the new U S men's national team Jersey. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But Dylan asked a good question. And Heath, I'll come to you first. He says, what about Gio Reyna at the number nine? Do you think Greg would consider a false nine? We've seen Christian Pulisic play there for Chelsea to sometimes good effect. Depends on who they're going up against. I remember Real Madrid in the Champions League semifinals last season in Madrid where he did a very good job of kind of running in behind. Ended up scoring the first goal because of his good work in that nine spot. I think Timo Way is kind of our way of compromising and trying another maybe wide player and putting him up top, even though he's probably got more experience in that spot more than others. Would you consider Gio Reyna there, maybe him dropping back to pull a center back into that space so we can have our wingers run in behind a little bit more centrally? It's weird because when I look at the, the roster that I built, it's it's a little bit confused tactically when I look at De La Torre and whatnot, who's a little bit more of a neutral player, a little more possession-based, isn't always going to advance the ball in the way that I'd like. But if I were to put Giorena anywhere that he hasn't been, it's the 10 spot. Mm -hmm. I think he, him in the 10 spot could be unbelievable. Now, that pushes... Weston McKinney a little bit more defensively. Uh, maybe that means you can push Eunice Musa maybe onto the wing, or maybe he's out, out, out of the lineup if you're going to have McKinney and, and Adams. So, but if I were to think about where Gio Reyna could help to, again, triangulate the entire field, it'd be the 10 spot versus being sort of a little more isolated on the wing, a little bit more of a one-on-one. -on -one. We've seen in good and tight spaces, he's so good at combination play, similar to Christian Pulisic, where I just sometimes wonder, like, how do we get Christian Pulisic closer to everyone else? Because he can disrupt that. That's where I would I would like him, but not at the false nine, not uh, up there by himself, at least not at the moment. Do you, and Charlie, I'm going to throw this one to you off of what Heath is just saying. Do you think that Gio Reyna and or Brendan Aronson at the 10 spot could take away from where Christian Pulisic likes to pick up the ball? Because he likes to pick up the ball in that kind of gap in between the center back and the outside yes. back, but, but a little bit deeper. And that makes me a little bit nervous because when we have McKinney, Adams, and, and Musa, those guys don't really seem to get in the way of Christian to find that ball in that space. But I think he could run into Reyna and Aronson. I would say good. 
that he takes up that space because that's not where we want Christian Pulisic. Mm -hmm. We want mm -hmm. Christian Pulisic isolated and playing high and pushing their the right outside back into a in, into bad positions, making forcing the right center back to go out to try and help and defend when he's one v one, creating space for the inside for players to take advantage of it. This That's where the center forward has to make a name for himself. Therefore, when that center forward is firing, now that center right center back can't go out there. And that's what opens up the game, Christian Pulisic. We don't want him to keep coming inside. So then he's forced to play against three players or four players. In the final third, that's when you can get creative and you can come inside. But he's coming too deep in the midfield and then coming inside. Right, and, right. And, and by that time, three or four players collapse on him. So I think it's good if you bring a 10. Right now, the reason he's coming inside is because there is no bridge between the midfield and the nine. So he feels he has to come inside to close the gap because that space is too vast. Because typically if it's Ricardo Pepe or Jordan Pifok or not so much Jesus Ferrer because he loves to check, but typically there's a huge gap and he comes inside to fill that gap. I, I, I will say that I don't think Pulisic likes to stand on the sideline. I think he likes to drift in the middle and find the ball and find those pockets and get it and run. But it's where and, he does it. It's true, but I, I feel like our spacing as a team might be better, even though we have Anthony Robinson, in theory, bombing forward to kind of occupy that space. But if the longer he stays out wide, the more those gaps exist for a Giorena or a number 10 or somebody to get the ball there, and then he can come in and then allow Anthony to, to overlap. These are the little things that I think are important, and that's why these friendlies are important, and I wish we had 10 more of them before the World Cup. I, I would have We only this. have four. Uh, to to um to Heath as far as Daryl DK cr crushing it in the in the championship he did crush it but when he got his opportunity with the U.S. Men's National Team in Gold Cup he didn't have it and the reason why he didn't have it is because the style flips and you have to be you have to be able to adjust to whatever the the situation is and in terms of Gold Cup now you're playing against teams who are going to defend and you got to have a first touch and you got to be able to play in tight spaces and that's where his game needs to really improve on the national team level. So when you're talking about world cups as your nine, probably not going to be a, a strong favorite because the touch has to be there and your, your technique has to be there. And that's one of the areas that was really lacking and, and needs to improve. Yeah, I agree with that. Heath rebuttal. Did you just no, no, I, no, I, I, I agree with what he said on that one. All right, everybody, we're going to take our first and only break right now. And guys, I don't know if you saw the news or not. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you, I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. But a jersey that Diego Armando Maradona wore in the 1986 World Cup where he scored the hand of God, just went for 8 million pounds or something in an auction. That is ridiculous, by the way. So uh, fair play to the defender, I believe, from England who uh, made a little cheddar with that. But what a jersey swap. That is the most epic of all time. I'm going to come to you, Hollywood Heath Pierce, because I already know that Charlie's ready to flex all over us. He's already got his Zlatan Ibrahimovic Sweden jersey on. And so uh, and I know he's got more than that. That's the scary part. <laughs> Hollywood Heath, who's uh, the best jersey swap or maybe the most intriguing or the funniest story? Like, what do you got for us? Uh, I don't have a funny story on this one, uh, uh, but but in, in the same theme of... Uh, Maradona and Argentina. I'm gonna go with this. This is a this is the flex of the week. We're gonna make this a segment. So I gotta you gotta pace myself. You know I can't go. With, <laughs> I can't go with my big winners right now. But 2008, we played. Let me uh, let me give you the exact number. Uh, we played uh, in in I know uh, exactly where he's going with this. U.S. U.S. versus Argentina in East Rutherford, New Jersey, in front of 78,682 to a scoreless draw. I believe 
uh, if I'm if I remember correctly, uh, Pablo Mastroeni was sent off. Uh, who else was sent off? Javier Mascherano was. Don't was act. Don't off. act like you're not looking at the match log right now. I am. I am. I'm looking. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm literally looking at it right <laughs> now. Well, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't, I didn't rem- I, I remember like, that. I think. Uh, I believe that this happened. I didn't remember that it was Mascherano that got sent off, but I remember there was two red cards. It was a scoreless draw. It was a crazy rain, and I played in that game. And there's no name on it because that's the way it is. Uh, I, actually, oh, what that, your advice? Should I not, put the name on it? That's not the way it is. He just bought us at the store. But go ahead. <laughs> no, go. This is. Uh, <laughs> You know, actually, the Brazil ones didn't have it either. And I got is two. Is that Di Maria? Uh, Who's that? No, this is this Tevez. is Sergio Cuna Aguero. Oh, uh, wow. And so when I posted it the first time, right, I get this picture, I posted on, on social media. You know, at the time, I didn't know much about photography. So I'm like ripping it off the internet and then I'm screenshotting it. And by the time I posted, it's lost basically all of its crisp quality. And I'm like, <laughs> Uh, traded shirts this day with, uh, like, as a throwback uh, with, with Sergio Cuna Aguero. And I think he was like 20 years old back then maybe even younger and people like that's not him that's carlos tevez and i'm like no i remember like i argued with people in my comments for an entire day until i posted the next photo again that showed the match log of like jersey number who was wearing it and this was the day jimmy and charlie it was in argentina where messi was not in the starting lineup and i guess i do have a little story i'll make this quick messi was not in the starting lineup the promoters went and told the argentinian national team hey based on this contract and this is not confirmed but this is what we were told Based on this promotional contract, you're supposed to be playing your best team. And if Messi's available, he should be starting in this game. He didn't warm up, wasn't in the lineup that we knew about, and then came out walking out to start the game. Played a half Ooh, and then came off the field. I remember was, that half, too. It was one of those, like, it was one of those sort he of, like... Balling, he was balling it up, too. Yeah. Oh, he 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 made the everybody... Guy, the guy doesn't need their... to warm up. That's <laughs> yeah. how yeah. Yeah. So they, I think they had I think they had threatened to not pay, like, whatever the match promotion was because they were like hey we promoted based on this he's got to right. play right didn't warm up came out and played was better than all of us but i i ended up getting this this cunaguero jersey which at the time i didn't know was going to be great because he was i believe at atletico madrid um and he ended up becoming obviously one of the greatest or the greatest uh goal scorer for man city but one of the greatest goal scorers uh in premier league history kind of cool all right and chuck that's a good one chuck yeah, what about you a great one so I'm rocking uh, Slatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, we know, uh, we know. Get from the friendly in t- 2008, and I was playing in Sweden, so it was it was in Gothenburg. It was a pretty cool experience, and and I I just remember being so surprised at how big Slatan is. Um, was that but, game at the the Gamla Gamla Ulevi? Yes. Uh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one funny story before I get into the jerseys. Yeah, do is, it. Um, so Spain Confederations Cup, we beat them. And the whole time I was thinking, once that final whistle blew, who am I switching jerseys with? You and I had I was a huge fan of Fernando Torres. I was a huge fan of Cesar Fabregas because I'm an Arsenal course, fan. So I'm like, I gotta get him. And then I think just out of respect, playing against Carlos Puyo, and he was such a just a fierce competitor and bumping me the whole time, kicking me off the ball, you know, and, and I didn't back down and I won a couple of headers over him. I said, yeah, you know, like I got, I, I'm feeling good about myself. But after them and Sergio Ramos, but after the game, they all take off. They literally sprint off the field, and I'm like, so I'm <laughs> chasing them. I'm I like, chasing uh, them to the I'm like, do I do I chase them? I see Fernando Torres swapping jerseys with Gooch, and I'm like, oh <laughs> hell no! But this this little guy comes walking over, and he's got his like training bib on. He didn't play. And he's like, kind of like walking around, like if anyone would trade jerseys. And I was, I was looking at him, like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm all set, or whatever. Oh, Charlie, Charlie, Charlie! Hey, don't forget, this is Charlie. This is Charlie peak form right now, right? Charlie's on top. Charlie Charlie just gave him, I'm all set. Charlie Charlie was like, "Uh, no, I'll give you mine, but you can keep yours, type of thing. I'm all set. He said, "I'm all set." And it was Juan Mata, and I'm just like, "Oh oh, man, like the nicest guy ever." Yeah, the nice and exactly how he was. He was like, you know, just walk around, and I was just like, "Yeah, all right," and just kind of walk by him. So I feel bad about that, but um. My favorite jersey of all time because of the significance. He was my role model. Heath, you got to play with him. Uh, it was Thierry Henry ever since I was a kid. So um, this it. is kind of – let me show, show you a little it. bit of, of yeah, what I got. For, this is for the YouTube it. audience to, to to verify that that Charlie's not lying. But uh, yeah, We've got the Thierry Henry yeah. here, okay? 
Yeah, wait, wait. wait. He's going for. He's going to flex. Wait, wait. You want me to flex? Let's go. uh, Confederations Cup. I didn't realize behind the rich mahogany was his secret stash of jerseys. The caca. You got the Landon Donovan, I see. We got the the Landon the MLS Cup Final 2014. Dude, hey, I, didn't know what, I thought this was just a flex of the week. Jimmy. I know, I, mean, I know. Look at it. Just, I got I got some Lucio, Ashley, Ashley Cole. I, I mean, are we doing the whole flex? I, know, some, I guess. I don't know bees. what's happening here, Heath. He's got bees. It's just, and then uh, he's still going, Heath. He's still going. <laughs> Uh, for those of you that are just listening to this, Charlie's this just uh, taking us into it. We got a Tyler Adams Leipzig jersey he sent me, and then uh, Bedoya. You know what? I'm kind of sad about Heath is that there's no Conrad or, or Pierce's in there. But Hey, you never Heath, sent me one. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. I don't have a Chuck one either, though, so don't well, tell I, him. I don't want to get one. Oh, yeah, man, that's a good Greg one. Greg Vanderbilt. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, great one. Yeah. Great one. Yeah, so so Chuck's out here flexing for for a month and not. Yeah, Zach Zach I have Jimmy. a Zach Steffen signed one too. Well, the idea, Jimmy, was that we'd make this a weekly flex. We could and then uh, Jersey. Tis, an Iceland Euros uh, kit, one of my teammates. Wow, that's a good one. I'm kind of jealous you got an Iceland national. I, you teammate. know, I, I thought it would be great if we could just do this weekly, Jimmy, where we share a jersey and a yeah. story as like you know flex of the week. But Charlie just literally showed us his whole closet, and I think ruined the entire <laughs> brand new segment we were going to build out. Uh, uh Charlie, yeah. Charlie, this was meant to be a flex of the week, and then next week we'd have a flex of the week, and you just took us into your walk-in closet and showed us everything, you know. Yeah, like, he went nuclear on us, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the nuclear option to just he was so it. excited though. Charlie's got those in there, and he's like, One of these days, someone's gonna ask. one of these days you're gonna ask. <laughs> hey, hey, this honestly, I think of all the things that I've collected, and I know I get to pass it on to my kids, right? Yeah. So I- I'm pumped as hell. And my favorite kit that Heath has as well is the Confederations Cup kit that I had the whole team sign. Mm-hmm. That's and, cool. And I look at that on the wall every day, and I'm like, you know, that that was that magic moment because we had such a group. I mean, talk about the safaris that we were taking together. And, man. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's of course. Uh, I, the, the amount of times, by the way, that I get asked about, hey, weren't you guys in a final in Confederations Cup? And well, first they asked if I played and then I say no, but I was there. Uh, and, and then, and then I got to walk them through like, man, that's crazy. Didn't you guys beat Spain? I'm like, yes, we did. And they go, weren't you winning against Brazil? I'm like, yes, we were. And then they're like, and then Brazil did Brazil. And I was like, yes, they did. And that's like a whole conversation on a weekly basis, especially with Brazilians. Cause I'm around a lot of Brazilians here in LA and it's kind of crazy. That, uh, you know what? That we were up Tuesday. Oh, I got that, that Pato jersey. I got a Pato jersey from that, that game. That's a good one oh, too. Nice. Yeah. The, Jimmy, uh, we, Jimmy. Sorry, go ahead. No, I wasn't part of that team, so I'm feeling a little bit left out. But I remember the final. We were up 2-0 at half. I remember B scored or, or, or like set up a great breakaway or, or a good transition play off of their corner, which was awesome. Like one of the best goals I think we've ever scored as, as a team against Brazil. But we gave up a goal like right after halftime, and you could just see like, uh, you say shit. bees? You say bees did that? No, bees. Bees off of a corner. He 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 like made the pass that unlocked something that that Kaká did that to us off of a corner in the first game. Oh, was that, was that Kaka? Okay. No. You know what? I'm getting it all. Wait, are, you, was, are you talking about the Confeds Cup final? Yeah, the final. On the second goal to Landon. Yes. That was off the corner. That was and their corner. Charlie's talking about himself right now. He's about to talk about uh, I'm not. I'm not saying anything. It was Heath. You know what happened. I wasn't on the team, so I can't remember every single minute of it. <laughs> it, Jeez, it, came out, it came out to Rico. Rico. And then Rico... Let me fly. Just played the ball in front. I took off down the left flank, and it, it was Landon who was. So it wasn't B. Bees wasn't involved in the play then. No, got it. Cool. All right. Well, no, I'm giving you're, Bees. You're I've been to... giving Bees credit for years, so now I'm going to give it to Rico uh, and Charlie. I, I, <laughs> no, I want to. I want to hear your story because one of my biggest regrets, because I saw this. What's the biggest regret is that that um game we played against Argentina in the Copa America. Yes, and that was probably the most stacked team I've ever seen in my life. Coming out with Messi, oh, I would have paid for Raquel May. I would have paid oh, for Raquel May. Oh I my punched, gosh! I punched myself thinking about I asked Imar and and Tevis and you know all these legendary. We, were, we did, we did, we were on the team Verone. together in the 2007 oh, Copa America. Keep it going. So uh, what was the, what was the right back that? What was the right back that? Zanetti who put Ayala uh, in his pocket. Cambiaso, Cambiaso. <laughs> that team was sick. So I asked Raquel May for his jersey after the game, oh. and he. Acted like I wasn't standing there. He just pretended like he wouldn't look at me. So, but the reason is, let me give you some backstory. We went up 1-0 in that game. Yeah. And you guys remember this. 
Raquel May didn't tie his shoes for the first 20 minutes of the game. And I was like, who is this mf -er, dude? Like, who doesn't tie their shoes? It's not like this is a friendly... This is a, this is a this is a, a official sanctioned game by FIFA. This is a Copa America, and this dude doesn't tie his shoes. So we score first, right? Eddie gets in behind, and it's a foul, and he scores the penalty. We're up one zero, and as that happens, we go to celebrate with Eddie. I grab Raquel May's arm, and tell and I point at his shoes. Hey, you should tie those. And then I go celebrate with the guys because I was pissed. I felt a little disrespected. Now, in hindsight, talk oh, about regrets. By the way, now, 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 now just for the why record, he, why he played yeah. the way he did. For the record, R Raquel May played one touch that entire game and never <laughs> lost the ball. <laughs> listen, like, listen, listen. It was insane. No, no, no. It gets even better. It gets even better. So, so he doesn't tie his shoes right away after I say something. But about ten or fifteen minutes later, before a free kick, he ties his shoes. He ties his shoes before the free kick. <laughs> and he drops in a dime, and they end up scoring to make it one-one. And I was like, "Why did I tell that guy to tie his goddamn uh, shoes?" Now, on that play, by the way, we held everybody uh, offside except Marvell Wynn in his first ever cap, playing right back, was just hanging out, not paying attention to the rest of the line, and that's what held him on. Now, listen, I'm not blaming Marvell. That's going to be a hard game for anybody, whether it's your first cap or your fiftieth. <laughs> but the fact that we started somebody in their first cap against a team that was that stacked. That's the guy. I got questions. I got hey, questions. That hey, all I know is all I know is Heat's nemesis, John, Johnny Bornstein, locked down Messi for at least sixty minutes in that game. For at least sixty minutes, he That's was true. absolutely I mean, locked. I, Jimmy, did you up. trade shirts? Did you trade a shirt in that game? I, could, no, I, I went for Raquel May, and when he said he gave me the Charlie Davies, I'm all set. I, 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 yeah, yeah. I, I I'm just, all set, dude. I, you, you gave I, up. You gave up, dude. We you lost, so my confidence was already shot because we lost, and I was like, I made my. I, I made my play. I don't know who to ask now. But in hindsight, I wish I would have got Zanetti's. That guy, what a player. I'm going to yeah. say my 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 uh Brazil story for for the next week when when Eddie Johnson's on with us because he stole he stole my swap that I had prearranged in, oh, the, in the no. Tunnel. Yeah. Uh but I'll, I'll Wait, get to that, that one. How that happen? It, it just dude, I, we had we had a prearranged swap in the tunnel and then I got subbed off so when I came on Eddie hit that sprint button when the game ended. Like, <laughs> I, you know how fast Eddie was. Who he hit get? that sprint button? Rubinho. Just say who it is. Rubinho. 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 Yeah. Listen, listen. I, remember when? If you, I don't know if either of you guys uh, in, in that game, Rubinho took uh, Steve Trundle to the corner flag and did something oh, to him that was so so I, unfair and and un, I think I, I remember it. And I think Trundle lost about three years of his life. In yeah, that one we remember we, oh, the whole locker do room. Don't do that we, to Stevie we, right we, now. We, 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 we lost the game, and in the locker room, everybody was telling Steve that he's got to go look for his shoes back on in the corner flag because <laughs> oh he lost oh most of his shoes. It was one of the most unbelievable things. And um, but but the, the the one story I wanted to tell, and I actually wanted to ask you guys while we were on the subject. The only time I got the apple pie to the face was also against Spain, Santander. We lost 81st minute. Xavi scores on us. We defended for 90 minutes. It was one of those games where you just watch them and you're like, they're good. We're not as good. Uh, <laughs> and and it was like a 10.30 kickoff. We didn't get back to the hotel till like 2 o'clock in the morning. We were flying to New York for that Argentina game. But after the game, I asked like seven or eight guys. Like, just I was just one of the few times where I was just like, you know what? You're going to look back and regret if you just don't like beg for one of these things. And... <laughs> Uh, I asked like seven or eight guys kindly in Spanish and each one of them said, I promised it for my grandmother. And they all said the exact same thing. And it was like that they had been given like advice See? on how not to trade shirts yep. with, crap, with crap players. Wow. And they were like, they got my you. Side, I had, I had, I had, this is when um, Sergio Ramos was a right back. So I played against him. David Silva was on my side yeah. uh, as well. And so I was like, I, you know, I was, I'll take anybody though. Like anybody, right, right, right. Uh, including yep. Senna in the midfield. Like, I don't care who it was. Just give me anybody. And each one of them gave me the same exact answer. I promised it for my grandma. And I was like, to be fair, the consistency there, I can't be mad, but also I was livid uh, inside. Uh, but I, I, yeah. yeah, you gotta, you gotta do the prearranged uh, agreement next time. Although I'll tell you this, Thierry Henry said, if anyone came to him before the game or during the game, about a jersey swap, he lost respect. He said, I yeah, can't. But to be fair, the prearranged with the Brazilians was only followed by them asking what's going on tonight. <laughs> <laughs> like Zay, I remember Zay Roberto was one yeah. of those guys. Yeah, at, at, that, at, at the point that they're asking, like, yo, what's going down in, in Chicago tonight? You, you kind of are like, okay, we've broken the ice. I don't think it would be like, you're asking me where to go out tonight. I'm going to tell, I'm going to ask for that jersey back, you know? No, I, I, the one time that I had a lock on somebody, cause I think 
I saw it the same as you. I wanted to get a jersey with somebody I competed against. Yes. And, and not just somebody that was, uh, you know, all the way across the field. So against uh, the second game we had in that Copa America was against Paraguay. And I was going up 90 minutes Roque against Santa Roque, Cruz. San, Roque Santa Cruz. So I just thought that would be an easy get after the game. I go up to him. Didn't he score he goes, off of a Casey Keller mistake or something like that? Or no, that was Cardozo, and I don't really okay. want to talk about yeah. it. Yeah, because okay. yeah. I'm still burned about it. Because yeah. it wasn't my fault, but Bob Brad Bradley <laughs> blame me for it. I feel like <laughs> we should have done better in that tournament than we, we did. We should have 100. Yeah. 100. We'll get in. We should get into that one day and watch old highlights together with everybody. But but in that game, so I went up to Roque Santa Cruz and said, "Hey, you know, let's swap." And he's like, uh, uh, "Taylor, the Taylor Twelman guy already asked for it." I'm like, "Taylor Twelman, you're not even." You're not even next to him on the field. I was hot. I was he probably hot. wasn't even playing, too. It's yeah. like, what the No, Taylor Twelman was wearing his, his, his jersey was too tight, and he was taping his thumb or whatever the hell he was doing. But, uh, <laughs> but, but I was pissed. I'm like, Taylor, dude, you can't go for players. So I got somebody from Paraguay, like one of their defenders. But And, and to your point, Heath, like I wanted that memento of that, that moment, right? When I see right. that jersey, I immediately go back to that game and think, oh, I go through all of it, the good and the bad, some of my emotions, frustration, whatever it is. But, but – that jersey is what triggers it for me in, in, a, in a way that I wanted it. That's why I'm So who's your best? So who's your best? So my best was, and here's the story. In 2006, leading up to the World Cup, there were four of us from Kansas City that were on the bubble to make the team. And it was me, Eddie Johnson, Josh Wolf, and Kerry Zavagnin. The roster comes out, and Kerry Zavagnin is the only one left off. Okay? And he's he guy's shattered. He's 30... They bring John O'Brien and John, Johnny. I love Johnny O, one of our best players ever, mm -hmm. by the way, even though uh, he wasn't healthy for that. OC I've got an O'Brien uh, Ajax jersey I'll share. How, how, good, how good is John O'Brien, by the way? The fact that he's like Phenomenal. a PhD in psychology now is, is also speaks to uh, how eccentric and, and amazing uh, John O'Brien is and how talented he is. But so John O'Brien comes, carries absolutely gutted. So we're, we're, you know, you have that three or four weeks before you go into World Cup camp and you're like, just don't get hurt. Just don't get hurt. You're just playing not to get hurt for those four weeks. And Carrie's just, he's the guy's depressed for sure. So I'm like, man, this guy's my roommate on the road at times. I, I, I got to do something. So I, I say, Hey, Carrie, you know, the three teams are playing Czech Republic, Italy, and Ghana. If I can get any player Jersey from those three, three teams, who, who would you want? And he goes, Oh man, you know, he's so he's thinking about it. He's kind of, he's like, I, I, I guess Andrea Pirlo, if I had a choice, you know, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm on, I'm on it. So fast forward to the World Cup. I come on in the Italy game. We end up getting a historic result. 1-1. We're down a man. Super amazing game. People still yeah, talk to me about that game. And after the game, Andre, uh, yeah, no, no. Uh, Alessandro Del Piero comes up to me. Del Piero comes up to me and says, do you want to swap? And I gave Del Piero the I'm all set. I'm going to go get Pirlo's instead. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I waved off. Are you out of your mind? I know. I know. But I had made a promise, man. I was going to see it through it. Listen, I, I love Andrea Pirlo, too. But when Del Piero comes up to you. It doesn't matter. At that it point, doesn't you matter. You swap and you go into the locker room after. <laughs> yep. You and ask you for say, another. hey, I, I need to get Pirlo's, too. I know. I know. I trade did. that first half jersey. I, trade I, that I, first I, half jersey. I, 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 oh, I'm furious with you. Oh. <laughs> I, so, listen. One month is one. Del Piero is a whole nother <laughs> dude. But I was so like, I I'm getting Pierlo's. Like I had made, I said it to him. I'm going to do it. I went and got Andrea Pierlo's Jersey and they were thrilled. The Italians, I've, I've never had a team an opposing team. And maybe because we drew one, one and they really just respected our performance and our grit and our desire to get a result. And they were, they were even after the game in the locker room, they still were looking to trade jerseys with us because very They collect similar. shorts anyway. They collect shorts. They collect, it's crazy. So they were all into it. And I was kind of surprised by that because this was on the heels of some other times where you're getting a little spurned. But, but I went and got Pirlo's. I switched with them. And when I came back to Kansas City, I gave that jersey to Kerry Zavagnin, which is why I can't show it to you for, for you now. And he's got it framed and up in his house. And okay, it might be a memento of what he didn't have, but I thought that I got to follow through and, and do what I said. What's I was the best of the rest? Then that you have the best of the rest. I got uh, Michael Bollock. Mm. Uh, right. I traded can, jerseys can with him. It? Uh, it's it's I have it's I'll have to show you in there. Oh, was yeah. that the 06 pre World Cup game? Yes, it was yeah. in Germany. That, that's was, a baller. I got that's a baller the one. I got the uh, I, I did my best to get anyone because you know, in the early days, you, you try to keep you only get to keep one, right? That's what they say. You learned after a while, you could just start, yeah, you could them just all. keep anything, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you only keep one, so like, I was like, dude, I don't know if I'm ever gonna play a national team a game, I, yeah, I, right. I, I need to keep a few of these, right? So, a few first ones I'm keeping, and I don't have any trades, 
And then I just I wanted anybody's from the Germany one because that was the first time I played in a crazy stadium. It was wild. I got oh, a woman, I got a woman yellows um, from from that Germany game. But yeah, Bollock, man, he scored a banger of a header in that game. And I remember being like, this guy's massive. Yeah, that's a big I'm, one. That's Jimmy. a sick. Hey, that's a our, really big one. Our back I'm proud of you for that, that one. Thank you. My back. Our back four in that game: Corey Gibbs, Greg Burhalter, me, Steve Chirundolo. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. What a back four, huh? Unbelievable. That is. You know what? I was. Me and Greg were screaming at each other just to like get organized, and he was three feet from me. We couldn't hear each other. That's how yeah. loud it was. It was at Borussia Dortmund Stadium. West dude, I, I told that same story to when I came on. I came on for Corey, and then um, Bobby Convy came in in front of me. And I was like, dude, either this guy is just doing whatever he wants or he can't like it was the only it was the first time I was I was like, oh, this is how you play Champions League level football, because you got to be able to play with your eyes and your legs, because when you're coming from somewhere else where you can just scream left and right to organize and make the game really simple, you realize how easy that is when you can't hear anything. You're like, man. I'm in another planet, but yeah, yeah that's yeah. a great show. No, I mean, that was my first introduction to Philip Lom as well. I mean, seeing him up close and, and I think our best version of Philip Lom that we've ever had is Steve Trundle, like small yeah. little guy, super smart, great feet, always knew where to be great positioning, but seeing Lom up top, who was playing left back and he'd be dive, bombing forward. I've got Bollock to my left and Lom dribbling at me. Uh, that was a special experience. And you learn a lot about yourself and how good you think you are when you're playing against some of the world. Trundle scored. Uh, because he, did, he, he hit did. that ball over the top to Eddie Johnson, who ran into Oliver Kahn, and then it just <laughs> it rolled past over. both of them. <laughs> I had drug testing after that game with uh, Oliver Kahn, and he was so uh, pissed he gave up that goal because it, he was competing with Jens Lehmann to, for the starting spot. And Lehmann ended up starting most of the games in those six World Cup. He was just grunting the whole time. I've never seen uh, that guy had longer arms than any other person uh, I've ever seen in my whole entire life. So imagine sitting, you can't pee after a game. You're sitting there mm-hmm. with a disgruntled German for an hour and a half just looking at each other. Yeah, that was a. Uh, that's a story for another time. All right, everybody, we are done within Soccer We Trust. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Like always, make sure you hit like and subscribe on the YouTubes and hit subscribe on any podcast platform that you enjoy this podcast. We love being a part of this whole community that we're growing and building, and we're excited that you're a part of it as well. We will see you next week. We got Eddie Johnson, former U.S. Men's National Team striker, joining us, and we got some other special shows planned for you. So on behalf of producer Des and Alex and Charlie Davies and Heath Pierce, I'm Jimmy Conrad saying thank you for listening to In Soccer We Trust, and we will see you next time. Later! CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, CBS season finale Sunday after the Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.